and we are back with episode 848 of The Critical Myth. I am John, your host, and tonight we have... Uh, this is Gary from Jacksonville, and there's one show in particular I cannot wait to talk about. Oh, I <laughs> Make that too. <laughs> okay, yeah, there's a few I am very interested in getting your opinion on. Um, but yes, uh, we are going to be talking about the episodes that aired in the last couple weeks. And uh, as I mentioned in the last show, uh, there was one week that was pretty... Uh, pretty light and then there was one that was a lot heavier but uh, we're going to get into all of it and uh, gary why don't you go ahead and give a disclaimer while we have a chance yes as we discuss these shows um we've given you about a week uh, to watch them so we hope you've uh, seen all the ones you wanted to and are anxious to hear about the ones you haven't had a chance to see um uh, during the course of this we will um not hold back on any discussion about the shows. In other words, we will spoil anything if we feel that it moves our uh, discussions forward. So we're not apologizing so much as explaining why we do it. That's right. And uh, as we normally do, we're going to kind of go night by night. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Let's see here. We are going to be in... uh, Wednesday nights, and on Wednesday nights we have Vikings, which is continuing... It's fifth season, so we have uh, season five, episode seven, Full Moon, and episode eight, The Joke. And it continues to be a really strong season. And, uh, you know, I have to say, though, that um, it still is one of those deals where there are a lot of subplots going on. And, yeah, it, it is sometimes hard to keep track of everything. I think I mentioned that before, when you've got a lot of people who look the same. You can't tell one braided hair from the other. Is that which? <laughs> Sometimes not. But now, yeah, I, I haven't I haven't watched this this season. But I was a big Ragnar fan. Now with he's gone, so how's the show holding up without the main with the the main character gone? Um, actually, it's holding up really well. I think that that's not the biggest problem. It's that there there's like hints about where things are going, but with uh, only so much time to spend on certain characters every single episode, there are some characters that you don't see uh, for a couple episodes straight. Hmm. Okay. So, oh, so there was well, it that they're like focused on one location. I know in the past it's jumped all over the place. So, uh, yeah, it's just uh, right now the, because they're dealing with the sons of Ragnar. Sometimes there's just a lot going on. So keeping track of it week to week can be a little bit difficult, but we're trying our best to do it, trying our best to do it. All right. Um, also on Wednesday nights, we have the librarians and, uh, Gary, how, how do you feel about this? We had two episodes, the, um, season four, episode seven, uh, and the disenchanted forest. And then we had, and the hidden sanctuary. Oh, um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Um, again, it's, uh, definitely a light fair and, um, I think I liked hidden sanctuary a little better of the two. Um, but yeah, it's, it's nice. I like, I'm actually enjoying the fact that there's no overarching villain. I'm enjoying the uh, the self-contained nature of the shows. In some ways, I for this particular show, I almost feel like a continuing storyline almost bogs it down. I'm not saying I need a reset at the end of every episode, but uh, I never felt they pulled off the extended villain well. Maybe because the villains were so weak, so um, it just it never held up for me. So I'm enjoying these uh, standalone shows, and I hope they uh, continue with them. Um, I realize we've had some uh, recurring characters uh, pop up, but in general, most of these. Sh- Things do seem to stand on their own, and I'm happy with that. I guess I could say I don't mind not having an arc. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of nice. There, there is this very, very thin arc, I guess you could say, that they're going through. But it seems like they're they're just enjoying having a longer season because I think there's uh, twelve or thirteen episodes this season, and uh, yeah. 
but yeah, so no, it's a lot of fun. I'm enjoying it. They're keeping it light. Uh, Flynn Carson is nowhere to be seen, so all the better. Um, I sort of like the twist with, uh, I guess I'll use the name Jenkins, um, that he's lost his uh, mor- immortality and how he's dealing with uh, willing the, dealing with that in grumpy fashion. It's uh, sort of fun. Um, if you want to compare him to, you know, sort of uh, so a lot of comparisons are always made with the show to Warehouse 13. Um, I I kind of like the less grumpy uh, uh, caretaker that he is, as opposed to that show in some ways, it's not as gruff. So um, eh, it, it, to each their own, I suppose, but um, I'm enjoying it. It's nice, light, fair. It's easy to watch with the family without having to go to cringe as uh, something it might not be as appropriate as you'd hope. And um, I, I hope this, this keeps up. I'm, I'm rather enjoying it. Um, I, I'm hoping, for example, the uh, the latest episode has with Cassandra sort of implies that we're going to maybe go through each character and have sort of a focus time with them, which would be nice. I'm hoping they do that, but we'll have to see in future episodes. But um, yeah, overall, I'm I'm liking the series a lot. I um, gave it a uh, you know it's a set, I give it a seven point five as you did, John, or at least for the last episode, and it's um it's shattering quality it's not going to win awards but um not every show has to be that and i'm just more than happy if you want to call this a guilty pleasure that's fine too but it's just it's just fun to watch it's relaxing and enjoyable so that's where i'm at with this show right now um uh did you did you have one of the two episodes you preferred hmm uh i really would have to say that i did like the hidden sanctuary i liked uh, i like cassandra as a character in particular, so I think that that was probably, you know, one of my favorite chances to see that character on her own. That's for sure. Uh, let's see if we continue on then from there to uh, another show that's on Wednesday nights, and this is a return of the X Files, and we had two episodes, so this is season eleven, I guess you could say eleven, um, and uh, episode one, My Struggle, Part Three, and episode two, This. So, yeah, um, I, I just have to say that, uh, you know, I had issues with the show when it came back last time and the fact that the mythology was just overbearing and overwrought and it seemed like Chris Carter had lost his touch with exactly what it was that was so beloved of the show. And, yeah, I feel like this show came back with another big mythology episode that hit like a big thud to the face. And, yeah, uh, it just, it, it, it just was, it was one of those things where the way that he addressed the fact that so many people didn't like the, the season finale last time was by basically retconning it out of existence within the first five minutes of this episode. So that always gives you a lot of confidence. But then there was uh, some issue where, they, uh, where Chris Carter decided, and again, spoilers out there, people, um, yeah, it just felt like uh, he, he went ahead and decided to retcon the fact that, you know, Mulder and Scully had a son, William, by uh, either by having basically the uh, the cigarette smoking man or cancer man, as they call him, uh, reveal that he is, in fact, the father because he medically raped Scully for all intent and purposes. And that's a real ugly, quote unquote, twist for him to pull out, to say the least. So it left a really bad, um, really bad taste in everyone's mouth. Um, the second episode, this was much better. It brought back a beloved old character in a very interesting way. Um, the standalone seemed to really be the episodes that people like with this revival. It feels like they could have just come back with those and not worried about the mythology and people would have been much happier. But there we are. It's Do you feel of- that it's worn out its welcome? Um, that it's so weighted at this point that it's 
it's hard to really be innovative with it. I think it, I think that's part of it. I think that it's just trying too hard to be relevant to today. If I guess, but yeah, it, it's it's hard to put your, your finger on sometimes. Yeah, I I haven't jumped on the bandwagon this time around, but I sort of hear ambivalence from everyone who watches this. So uh, that and um, uh, what was it talked about? Um, Jillian Anderson won't be returning next season, I believe. That is the the indication that she's given, that she isn't coming back. So I'm hoping that they don't end this on a big cliffhanger again, because if they do, there's no real indication at all that, I mean, this was supposed to be a kind of Hail Mary season. Uh, To think that they could come back again is really pushing it. So I, yeah, I don't want to... I don't want to see that uh see things end on a absolutely irritating note again. <laughs> Let's just have some closure. I would like some closure. If you're going to bring it back, bring it back and and give it an ending. Don't just keep teasing the the, the fandom. I got you. That makes sense. So uh, yeah, I just, I mean, it's been a great run, but at this point, you know, when I heard it was coming back, it was nice, but I almost wish maybe they'd kept it to a, you know, a four, a four episode miniseries and, you know, hit good ideas and then moved on. Yeah, it might've been that way. So, so, uh, uh raving, <laughs> uh, I mean, I just get the, are you watching it for, uh, cause you have to, or because you want to at this point, John? Um, honestly, there is a part of me that's doing this because it's tradition. Um, I started the whole, uh, you know, what was originally, uh, the shrine of Entil <laughs> and then it turned into, um, critical myth and in all of its incarnations, I started all of that with, uh, reviews of the X-Files. So there is a part of me that is saying that this is tradition. Because it's just yeah. when I'm hearing you talk about this, I hear no excitement in your voice. It's, uh, it's just, it's and, and it used to be. I, really I, you know, <laughs> the last season, you were up a little bit more about it, so I'm like, oh, geez. If, so, uh, John, if you need a if you need a pass to stop watching it, uh, I will give that to you. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, sometimes it feels like that's what you need, right? But yeah, so uh, but no, but um, yeah, it's as I said, it's been a great series. I'm still surprised that it came back at all, more or less, for a second season, so a second new season, and um, so yeah, so uh, that's okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think I, from what I hear on your side, they really need to either shake shake, shake things up or close down. I really think that they either that basically what they need to do is if if you know if Scully's not going to come back, they just need to close this uh, this chapter. And I'm very nervous that they're not going to because I think Chris Carter is going to go ahead and just leave it wide open. And I, I guess that's what it is: is that it's an unsettled feeling where it's like I really want to celebrate the fact that this show is back and enjoy it, but that that first you know that premiere and that twist really put me off, and then. Uh, now I'm really worried that he's just going to, to leave this on a very bad unresolved note. Mm. Well, I hope he exhibits some wisdom. <laughs> yes. Hopefully he does. <laughs> so what is our next show in our lineup, sir? 
Okay, well, next on our list is The Return of the Magicians. So we have Season 3, Episode 1, The Tale of the Seven Keys. And, yeah, it, uh, it, it, it's, a, this show is interesting because it's, uh, it's one that I think is hilarious very often, but it's in such a very, a very off-note way. Uh, and I, I just really enjoy it when it comes back. And it's one of those shows that's very irreverent. Um, it can be humorous in one moment and then devastating in the next. So... Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it, it it's a fun show, and I would say that if anyone out there is also a fan of the magicians, you know what I'm talking about. I'm tr- I'm trying to think of the best way to put into words, um, exactly what it is about this show that would be why I would recommend it. I guess if you, again, if you kind of like an irreverent, uh, uh, you know, mature kind of college-aged Harry Potter type of story, it's it's kind of that, but more, and. Uh, it's always pushing boundaries. And this is also one of those shows like the expanse where if you can get, um, if you can get the unedited versions, I guess it's the, it's the definitely the superior version. So, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy that it's come back. And in fact, there's something I want to talk about that's more from the second episode. So I'm going to have to wait. (laughs) I don't remember if it was the first or the second, but it is the second. Um, all right, so that moves us actually onto Friday nights, and that's going to push us into Agents of Shield. And uh, Gary, what do you think oh. of these episodes lately? Oh, it's the series has been um, really. I, I've loved it. I've I've heard some minor grumblings about you know using a, the, the sort of whole time travel thing as a you know sort of a write any story you want mechanism, but I, I'm fine with that. I, I'm enjoying these uh, glimpses, this whole, the whole um, prophecy thing in a way that when they handled prophecy about two seasons ago with the, oh, what was her name? Um, with, uh, with the person who could supposedly see the future. Um, I, I didn't quite, Raina was it? Was she the one that saw the future? I think uh, I didn't enjoy the way they handled it, but uh, using this uh, girl slash, um, this this girls as the premise I thought was a, a much better concept. I enjoyed this little world that they created, as small as it is, w- where the Kree are running everything. It's been uh, it's been uh, really enjoyable. We get to see the um, our the Shield agents again without resources. Um, it's been a bit of a standard trope, I think, in this um, in this series, where basically even though Shield has all these wonderful gimmicks and gadgets, they're constantly taken away from them. First, when Shield breaks up, then again when they're you know you want to say when they're um, in the framework it's all taken away and then again now now again that they've been set into the future there again all they can survive on is you know their wits and ingenuity and planning and teamwork and um it's the trope works for me just fine as they continue to throw it into all these different types of uh, scenarios and um i from what i hear it's been getting decent ratings and we we're, we're always a little surprised that the show keeps coming back but we've been giving it reasonably good scores so sort of all along i think there was one small dip but i think it's generally a good show it's a lot of fun and i almost feel like they're they've stopped trying to tie it in so hard to the marvel universe all the little uh uh, name droppings and situations um, aren't coming up anymore, and I think that's a strength to it because uh, it, it sort of takes you out of the narrative. I think when they constantly throw that stuff in your face, and um, so um, the show series working uh, very well for me. I think, I'll, uh, especially in this particular um, storyline, I think every character is getting a, a chance to shine and their own, their you know, a, a lot of screen time for you know character development. So I'm 
I'm thrilled with it. You know, I think about uh, Fitz's whole journey to get to the future. Uh, Gemma going through this whole the whole slave thing. Um, it just uh, uh, Daisy's uh, journey throughout all this. It's been a lot of fun to watch. The um, was it um, Max sort of uh, taking the child, the the young kid under his wing after we know all the uh, heartache he had from his pretend daughter in the framework. So I, I I love the continuing character development of everyone. It's just it's been a lot of fun. I and I can't tell exactly how it's going to end or they're going to get everybody back either in time or fix everything, but or fix everything for the future. But uh, it's uh it's real definitely holding my attention, and I'm usually I can't. It's one of the first shows that I want to hurry up and see if I'm not live then. Uh, I'll put this one on before just about anything else we're watching right now. Yeah, it, it's the kind of show that if I don't watch it on Friday nights, I feel like I have to watch it almost immediately on Saturday morning because it is definitely uh, something pretty special these days. Uh, I think it is doing well. I mean, it's always hard to tell when a show gets into its fifth season or so whether or not it's going to keep going. Um, but yeah, it is... It's, it's definitely... Uh, I think overperforming for a show that is this far into its into its uh, run, uh, as far as creatively is concerned. Oh yeah, well, like I said, I think they're applying the same formula a lot, but these scenarios that they're dropping them into um, are, like as you said, are very imaginative. So it's sort of a, I guess it's a formulaic show that they're putting into non-formulaic situations. <laughs> so it, it yeah, it works for me because you know it's not the show still has much of the same flavor it's had all along, but it's uh um but it's not boring you either. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very happy with this series. I'm looking to see how they're going to both get back through time. Um, I'm, I'm curious how they're going to make, not make the world blow up, figure out how the heck Daisy was actually able to blow up the entire planet. That still doesn't seem possible to me. And I'd like, love for them to explain it. And last but not least, Fitz and Simmons are back together. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes, that was something that I was looking forward to, to say the least. Is they they are a, a kind of adorable, to be perfectly honest, uh, as as they interact in these episodes. Uh, let's see here. So uh, yeah, just for the record, what we had was uh, you know season five, episode six, fun and games, and then episode seven, together or not at all. Um, now Edmund uh, says for uh, fun and games. Uh, he gave it an 8.5. He said, loved seeing Fitz's badass bounty hunter and happy Simmons deafness was revealed quickly, even if he'll never live down not really proposing first. The character arc for Fitzsimmons has been one of the highlights of the show and kudos for guest casting, bringing in Howard from Better Call Saul and our beloved Simcoe was a treat. Nice job of directing Clark Gregg. I had no idea that he's the one who directed that, but ah. yes, that was, that was a quite a good episode actually. And especially from that perspective. And for the other episode, which was um, together or not at all, he says, for a show that delights in acknowledging its genre peers, Alan Z, don't split up, etc. Having Blue Simcoe bayoneted was a sweet Easter egg. Yes, that indeed <laughs> was, to say the least. Well, that's good. We all, we all liked it a lot. Um, I, I still think it'll get even better as the series goes on. I sort of tempered a uh, rate it too high because I'm, I'm starting to expect more of this series. So uh, my, my scale for uh, worthiness is, is changing slightly on it. So, okay, so let's see. If we move on from there, then it's Sunday nights. And on Sunday nights right now, the show to watch is Star Trek Discovery. And uh, yeah, we had two episodes of this as well. We had Despite Yourself, which was, I believe, was that the return for the mid-season? I think it was. Yes, yes, it was. And then we had episode 11, which was The Wolf Inside. Uh, Gary, your thoughts on this? 
Oh, geez. Um, you know, they've been rumored about it for a while, and um, they finally made it happen. Um, uh, I, I think it's uh, a huge uh, the- thematic change for the show to um, now have to basically work around in the Mirror Universe for more than just a single episode. Um, I... Uh, I, of course, loved uh, uh, Captain Tilly. That was a, a heck of a surprise, even though Stamets had sort of blurbed it. I had no idea that it would um, roll out the way that it, it turned out uh, uh, to happen. And I, I love her having to swear and not be very comfortable doing it. Uh, but I think it's it's a great um, sort of you know comedic venture when it happens. And um, that's really enjoyable. Um, I enjoy the fact that um, Burnham ends up she – is cap- she is a captain, uh, much as we – would have expected her to be before the battle of the binary stars. Um, and so in some sense, she's fulfilled her, uh, where, where she wanted to be in Starfleet, even if this is not really a Starfleet, uh, operation that she's currently in. So, um, that's sort of interesting that, you know, be careful what you wish for. You might get it, I guess in this case, uh, has come back because she's, uh, she is there. Um, Jonathan Frakes, um, uh, directed the first episode back, and um, it was just a fluke um, from what I read in an interview uh, that he had had. That it, basically how Star Trek, or at least this Star Trek, works, and I've heard it worked this way in the past. Is there's just a slate of directors, and they just put him. Okay, we're, we hired this director, give him the next show, and that's how it worked out. But I thought he did a very good job of giving of um, uh, setting up what the mirror universe is and is going to look like, and how uh, people relate to each other. Um, so I. I felt he gave it a really good, uh, you know, basis and standing, and given some of his uh, previous uh, director uh, directorial debuts, such as, well, not debuts, but uh, experience, uh, such as you know, in Insurrection and First Contact, I think he has a way to get that sort of you know insidiousness um, across the camera very well, and I I I, I loved some of the um, camera angles and other um, choices that he made uh, during the course of it. Um, I still question how this ship, no matter how many times they repaint it, and they really have something that repaints the ship with them. And it, uh, how can there not be thousands of minute details that people wouldn't catch? Um, I just find it hard to believe that the Discovery will be able to uh, pass any type of inspection whatsoever, uh, unless they give me some sort of explanation like, you know, they don't transport between ships at all or anything like that. Um, I still can't believe that they're going to manage to pull it off, but uh, we'll have to see on that. And as we saw um, both of these episodes, um, we got to, uh, we got to, I guess it wasn't really a secret though, but they, you know, they talked about uh, Vok, uh, yes. that, that, uh, who, that the, she's uh, why well, I forget the security guy's name, but Tyler. that he turned, Tyler turned out to be Vok. And I don't know if it was hinted around, spoiled, accidentally released, but, I think I knew this like two or three, two or three weeks ago. No, and a lot so of people felt that way. They felt like that was so telegraphed that it was just like, okay, can you just reveal it already? Yeah, and so, uh, so that was in a lot of ways a letdown. Um, I guess maybe the whole scene in the uh, the brig on the previous episode sort of, uh, as you said, telegraphed it so much that uh, it, it was no surprise at all. So uh, that was a little disappointing. I was hoping they'd actually do some sort of twist on it or some for some way that it wouldn't be. But it was, and then that's kind of short-lived because so was he uh, at that point. Um, I was We just get this big discovery, and then they kill him off. I've heard people using uh, the term that this is – well, not the, yeah, the term or the phrase that, oh, this is the uh, Game of Thrones way of doing things. You build a character up and just slaughter him away, and – Again, it doesn't feel like Star Trek when you do that. We're usually used to having people around for a while, especially when they devote resources to them. But um, 
I guess people want that for ratings. So it's one of those things where a Star Trek fan has to take it, you know, take the hit because it'll keep ratings up. So, but I, I didn't care for that. They got rid of them. I, I thought even with, uh, even with the other Vok there, that that still gave them a lot of opportunity for a story that they didn't um, bring across. Um, what else was there? Um, especially in the, uh, the, uh, to, uh, the second one, the second um, episode, the Wolf Inside. You know, not only did we get to see that, but we got to see uh, Emperor. I guess she is. Yes, G- Empress Gideo. Uh, hmm. G- G- oh, Giorgio. Giorgio. Yes. Yeah. Um, and of course, some people were always saying her. And oddly enough, I, I heard some people saying. Well, that's because she's Asian, like Hoshi was, and I was like, "Why the hell does that have to do with anything?" <laughs> but, uh, anyway, but uh, so, uh, but I, I, I didn't necessarily think it needed to be her. I was, I was almost under thought it might have been that the other admiral that we had spent time with that got killed on the Klingon ship. Um, that I thought was a, a, a strong chance as well. Um, so, uh, so it was a little bit of a surprise, but not completely unexpected. I enjoyed that. Uh, enjoyed her showing up at the end. Um, then we had the whole subplot with Tilly trying to cure Stamets and at least partially succeeding after she killed him, <laughs> which uh, was definitely a, a bit of a nail biter situation. And I felt bad that she, you know, that seemed like she made the wrong decision. And uh, that was, but that was a, uh, it was very tense and well written because it had me on the edge of my seat while it was all happening. So um, I, I like, I liked it a lot. Um, the only thing uh, I don't, I don't understand, and I know there's rumors about Lorca. Oh, he's from here originally, and mm-hmm. they haven't actually proved anything yet. But he seems awfully insistent on sticking around, and it, he does, I, doesn't he? And I wish they would give me a reason. It does. I don't expect a real reason, but I would like a reason. This idea that you need to get more uh, information or something like that seems a little uh, thin, I suppose. But um, so I so. I hope they're not telegraphing as blatantly as they did with Vok, but um, I'd like to see some some reason at least put forward. Uh, we'll have to see. We don't know if the Empress is on the Defiant or not. As a side note for me, who like who likes uh, as I'll refer to it, Star Trek porn. Um, I love the, looking at all the different ship configurations and things of that nature. And the Defiant, for at least from the wire drawing, was looking very different from our standard uh, Constitution class ship. Um, there was a lot of discussion how. It, at this point, if you actually do the math, it's been there over a hundred years now. So a lot of people are just writing it off as, um, oh, you know, changes, improvements, uh, things, things along that nature. And uh, I'm good enough with that. I know there's some purists who are saying, you know, you're not the Constitution class is a ship that's uh, not supposed to be touched, even though it has been, <laughs> and, you know, and officially as you think of the movies and the, uh, refitting it. So, um, so I don't have a problem with that. So. I'll just push some of that commentary to the side, and it makes sense that it would be slightly different after a hundred years. Other than that, um, it's, I thought they were very strong, captivating. Um, I just hope they don't telegraph things as much as it feels like they're doing. I don't need to know these things in advance, and if you think I'm that dumb that you have to broadcast them, I feel insulted. Ah. <laughs> uh. Let's see. Uh, you know, it, it, I believe that there are some things that are going on on the show that are a little bit of a, a side effect of the fact that it was supposed to be a one-season arc. And they're kind of struggling with the fact that they are trying to pay off this story to a certain degree. But at the same time, things that would have been pretty final uh, in terms of revelations and so forth, if it was a one-season story, are now kind of... They're, they're trying to figure out how to work that through with it being a multi-season story, perhaps. And I, I see a little bit of tension there as well. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I see your point. Um, 
there there does seem like they're uh, pushing you know pushing they're tr- they're really pushing hard with the series and maybe that's part of the thing maybe they think these easy payoffs is is the answer to that and um, I'd like to think that we're more uh, intelligent than that as I think of all the people that are actually you know paying to see this show I can't imagine it's still a uh, casual fan that's doing that so it's uh, they have such a significant fan base at this point that uh, I think they could uh, challenge us a little bit. Okay, let's see. Um, Edmund had some comments on these episodes. For Despite Yourself, Edmund gave it a 9, saying, uh, let's see, a new chapter in the Mirror Universe. Always a treat, and sad to see the Tyler as Vox speculation coming true. Not sure how I feel about that. It's straining credibility for me and introducing even more continuity issues back into TOS. Unless, of course, it's a different universe timeline. That's the twist that might reconcile all of this. Yeah, that that thought had occurred to me, too, that this is a mirror universe, perhaps not the mirror universe. Um, I mean, it stands to reason that that could be the case, but is that complicating things just a little too much? (laughs) Oh, that's complicating things way too much. We're already dealing with a defiant that was taken back taken back during the enterprise taken back to the enterprise era in the mirror universe so now we're like 60 to 80 years past like yeah 80 years past that and but yet there's still the empire and the defiant there so to have such a parallel such a close different mirror universe is it almost it's sloppy writing is what it, what it seems like to me i mean they should be able to make this work it without a with, without the need to spin this off as a whole different universe. Yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. I, I was thinking that too. It's like that, that would be too much like uh, having your cake and eating it too. For The Wolf Inside, Edmund gave it an 8 saying, they're stringing out the Tyler as Vok reveal much too long. It's not quite as bad as the Edward James almost reveal that cemented Dexter's decline, but get through it already. Yeah, I think we're already there, right? I, I, I think that we all agree on that one. Yes. All right, moving then on to Monday nights. And boy, uh, Gary, I am really interested in your thoughts on this. We have Supergirl and Season 3, Episode 10, Legion of Superheroes. I hear that you have some slight interest in that. As I look at my uh, 20-plus statues <laughs> arranged in front of me as I, as I talk to you, John, as well as different posters and things like that, yes, I am a huge Legion of Superheroes fan. I've been dying for this episode since um, that we first saw the flight ring in the Fortress of Solitude uh, in Season 1. And now we get payoff. I will have to admit that it is um, it's somewhat of a tempered payoff because it's uh, not quite the Legion I remember or people who um, see it um, – see this would remember either it's uh it's a very uh different legion of superheroes that we've uh, that we're running across right now so um i got i i i don't understand why they made some of the uh casting choices some of the costuming choices it just doesn't doesn't work for me but as um as a wise member of the legion uh once once said you know my legion might be destroyed and one day uh it might all be gone but someone will rise up to take our place and that's um was actually said by Monel. So um oh, no. I well I yes, uh, not this Monel, but uh, uh better Monel. Anyway, um but uh yes, yeah, so um so I'm taking that as in stride. Um is this Legion of Superheroes better than no Legion? Yes. Uh, I I am such a proponent that I would like to see the Legion of Superheroes exposed to people in any shape, way or form. That being said, um I don't understand how um Saturn Girl is now telekinetic instead of telepathic. 
besides the whole blonde color thing and being married to Monel, which uh, again is uh, breaks a lot of uh, previous existing uh, comic co- continuity. Um, also, Monel, I. I don't understand why he's so weak. I remember uh, his mom, who was barely having having any yellow sun exposure, kicking the heck out of Kara. And here he's barely, I don't know, able to keep his own with a henchman. Um, it just strikes me as um, ambiguous and odd. Um, I've heard some things, you know, of course, he doesn't want to outshine Kara or even be on par because they want it to be her and be the focus of the show. I can understand that. Then they also uh, mentioned the fact that... Um, Saturn girl shouldn't be telepathic like John, or why do they really need her? So there's that as well. And then finally, there's um, what I find as the the shining uh, legion, legionnaire for me was um, Brainiac 5. Um, people may or may not be aware, and they're probably not, and that's fine. But uh, there's been a long shipping history of um, Saturn girl and Brainiac 5. It's been going on since about the 60s. They've had this sort of on-off-again relationship. And so uh, so it's always been there in the back, you know, sort of in the back there, that if they did bring the Legion on, will we see Brainiac 5? And so we do get to see him. Not only do we get to see him, but he spends a lot of time, actually, in um, dialogue with Kara, which was uh, very fun. And I felt like they... Um, got off to a, uh, a nice start if you want to uh, ship them as I often want to. <laughs> um, so I enjoyed it a lot. Um, I enjoyed that aspect a lot, that whole scene where she's in her apartment. We even got to see Streaky the Cat, which was uh, also another uh, inside uh, Legion reference for those not familiar with the lore. Um, Streaky is one of the members of the Legions of Super Pets. Uh, so um, so uh, that was a nice little uh, throwback, too. Um, we got to see them in their, I've heard this term and I can't disagree, their X-Men-like leather uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um the Legion is not usually in anywhere near that type of uniform. They've always had very colorful um, uniforms of unique with unique colors to them, and they usually are a very bright, uh, vibrant type of um, costume in any way. And so um, I was uh, disheartened to see when we finally get their reveal that they're you know, wearing black, black leather from head to toe. Um, so I hope they make a change somewhere in the future because I'd really like to see something echoing uh, their – more true costume, so to speak. Um, we still have one or two other Legionnaires, I think, that are in tubes that I'm curious about. Um, I enjoyed, I did enjoy the fight scene that you see them uh, fighting like a team that's uh, used to working together and is uh, reasonably coordinated. And um, that's always been sort of a part of the Legion history that even though these are supposed to be kids in a superhero club, um, they're uh, very competent at what they do. And um, I felt their competency, even though they were hesitant to... Um, engage at first was uh was shown reasonable was shown pretty well and i was happy that they weren't treated as buffoons or uh people who couldn't get who couldn't um get something done so um so overall i felt they they uh, treated them treated them very well um as i said i had some cosmetic issues some power issues but again uh thrilled to see the legion out there and i'm looking forward to the uh hopefully two to three more episodes with them uh before they go away but um i most legion fans that i talk to while they don't like the changes, are still happy to see them in any shape, fashion, or form, and I'll count myself as one of those. Um, I'm completely blinded by the Legion of Superheroes, John, so I gave this a nine right off the bat, just pretty much for the, <laughs> for the costumes. Um, but for the average person, was this at all a good episode? Because <laughs> I cannot be objective enough to say. I think so. I think that it's a little bit difficult for uh, for anyone who's not familiar with the lore to catch all the little things that are laid in there but i think that it it translated pretty well and i thought that you know the function of brainiac 5 at least was pretty straightforward so uh, maybe not all the nuances were there and perhaps it wasn't something where there was something for newbies to go ahead and 
or shall I say the uninitiated, I'm not exactly sure, to, to compare against. So maybe that made it easier to, to kind of just uh, let certain things go. But yeah, it was pretty enjoyable. I gave it an eight, so I was pretty happy with it. So I'm just okay. happy that, you know, that there is that kind of uh, expansion of the DCW in that, in that regard, because I don't think any of us expe- expected that. So. Oh yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, uh, very interesting. Um, and I guess maybe I'm going on too much about that when I should, I should also talk about, um, the whole rain plot in general. Um, I, I, I'm enjoying this, um, very strong character that they're using against her, against Supergirl. I'm enjoying the use of the, of the human who was the, uh, I guess, Kryptonian prophet. Um, I'm continuing to enjoy his uh, role role in this whole thing very well. I think he's extremely well used. Um, at first, I wondered why they were th- giving him so much detail early on in the season, but now I see why because it fits right into this um, this uh, storyline uh, so exceedingly well, and it makes me feel like they have at least reasonably long range plans for things, and um, that also excites me that they're not just uh, shooting shooting things off the hip or throw, you know hoping it sticks to the wall kind of thing. They have a sort of general layout, and they're throwing pieces in throughout which is always a nice uh nice thing to happen for a series indeed well we'll see soon enough how this plays out right so yes yes. um one thing that we won't see play out quite for a little while is uh the second season of the gifted we did however have the two episode finale for the first season which was you know episodes 12 and 13 extraction and X-Roads or Crossroads. Um, I thought that it ended really nicely. Uh, you know, they did uh, introduce the Stepford uh, Cuckoos, and that was a nice little way to introduce some darker uh, elements of the mutant resistance and underground. And yeah, things came to a head at the end of the season, and now our mutant heroes have split between those who consider themselves the legacy of the X-Men and those who consider themselves perhaps a little closer to the legacy of the... Uh, the Brotherhood. So it's looking like things are going to, there's a nice schism between the characters uh, right down certain relationship lines. So that's going to make things very interesting for the second season. I really enjoyed The Gifted. I'm glad that it got renewed. Uh, I'm surprised that there's so little talk about it. Um, but with only 13 episodes, it's something that it's really going to be easy to go ahead and, uh, and get caught up with. I think the, the funny thing is, is that you mentioned the X-Men uh, X-esque uniforms for the Legion of Superheroes, and I think there's probably more variation in color in the in the clothes that the people on the Gifted wear. Even though yes, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. I've seen enough enough of it to know that you're absolutely right. Yes. So uh, yeah. So. Uh, let's see. Next, we have The Flash, and we have the return uh, with episode 10 of the fourth season, which was The Trial of the Flash. Now, Gary, it seems like you really did not like this very much, and I, I'm curious. I, I didn't like it as much as some of the previous episodes this season either, but you, you gave it a, a bit of a lower score. So, uh, And this was, in fact, the lowest scored episode out of the two weeks. So, hmm. What a depressing... <laughs> Yeah. So this was this was worse than watching Iris die. I mean, this was this was absolutely horrible. Then when he ends up in the same cell as his father, oh my gosh! I was just maybe it's just you know as I said this this whole sort of parallel they're running to his father being framed by someone for uh, you know a crime he didn't commit and being uh, sentenced to prison. It's just uh, it was sad enough for his father, but now to see it happen all over again just make sort of compounds it for me, and it was really uh. I guess it just it really threw me into a bad mood honestly just watching this and feeling bad for Barry and it feels like Barry's doing nothing to uh 
exonerate himself. He's just sort of there taking it. And I was like, why is you running around trying to figure out something? You know, there's got this DeVoe guy can't be this, you know, this perfect crime kind of guy. Something has to happen. And, and I mean, everybody else seems to be working on it except him. And he's just, I, it's just frustrating. And I, you know, I think that's probably why it, it wasn't that it was a horrible episode. It just left me feeling horrible as I watched it. Yeah, it's hard to say because to be perfectly honest with you, I was enjoying the more lighthearted parts of this uh, of this season, and then for this, it's a little bit heavy. It's like, well, you're right as as you say that, John, because I remember us talking about how the specter of Iris's death weighed so hard on last season that we were glad to not have it. Yes. So it it is kind of. Uh, what's the word that I want to use? It is kind of unfortunate that they kind of had to disrupt that fun for, uh, you know, a darker, more dramatic storyline when really I'm sure that they, I know they were building to it, but it did feel just discordant with what was coming uh, before, you know? Well, it is because don't we still have six or seven of those dark matter people to find yet? If I recall correctly, I think we we do. And I mean, we did have one this time technically, right? So, yeah. Yeah. So we still got those to find, and so you know, I realize the story isn't over yet by any means. But yeah, it's just, uh, I yeah, maybe that's what it was. Maybe it's the return to the dark that I, <laughs> I did not care for, but I didn't. Um, as a, as two side notes uh, to this show, um, they're actually um, in the plot in the comics themselves. Uh, longer lo- longer ago than I care to mention, um, the Flash actually did go under trial for murder and was sentenced. Uh, for for murder, where he did have to serve, so this is uh, you know at least part of this is a storyline out of the you know, out of the comic books where he was found guilty for a murder, and it was um, it was um, it wasn't a one issue kind of murder thing. He was in prison for several ep- several issues afterwards. So um, so that I found oh, that okay. interesting. And um, while we don't have um, the, any other DCW shows at the moment, um, it was mentioned that Kid Flash will be joining uh, Legends. <laughs> this week as well so Mm. so those of you who are missing uh kid flash will have a chance to see him soon now let's see the last episode here that we have on our list is the first episode of the non-dcw dc show (laughs) um black lightning Hmm. And uh, this was the first episode called The Resurrection. Now, uh, Gary, once again, I, I'm leaning a little heavy on you because of all this DC stuff. Yes. Your thoughts on this? Uh, was it faithful? Was it, you know, what you gave it a pretty high score. I think we both did. So I'm really curious. Um, uh, let me say, um, Black Lightning has been reinvented a few times uh, since he was first introduced in the 70s. And... This is similar to um, one of his reinventions, where he is indeed, uh, you know, a principal of a school and trying to do well by the, uh, not do well, but that doesn't that's not the right way, but where he, where he's trying to, you know, he's working in the inner city and he's trying to make things better. Uh, so you know, it does have basis in the comic book uh, comic book world. Um, however, it is um, it's never been this um, honest about uh, situations. I. Um, I'm not in this world, but uh, I have a sense, or at least from what I read, that people feel this is uh, much more of an honest portrayal of what happens in um, inner cities. Some of these uh, agreements that have to be made, sacrifices that have to happen, and um, some of the general behaviors that occur. And I, th- I am maybe we're finally ready for this uh, level of honesty in on television. 
Uh, I think it's often, uh, no pun intended, whitewashed and not treated with the uh, the severity or the truthfulness that it's uh, being portrayed here, at least in the, the pilot. So um, I, I found that uh, a very refreshing change to uh, standard television. And um, I don't know that you would typically see this level of drama in a uh, network television show. Uh, it seems much more of a, uh, a cable kind of show. And so I applaud them for bringing it to this particular uh, meet. Uh, this particular channel to um, to show where uh, being a you know a basic channel, a lot of people will have a chance to be exposed to it, and you won't need some sort of basic cable or some other type of um, coverage to do it. Um, I'm curious whether they can keep up this level of tension and um, grit nonstop. It's not that it, I, I don't feel that it'll dredge it down into a pit, but it's just. Um, I'm curious to see if they can keep it fresh and original or if they're just going to keep it in the same place. So um, that I'm curious about. Um, I felt uh, Black Lightning's uh, frustration and um, anger um, was uh, came through very well, by was portrayed very well by the actor and was completely understandable in character why he's at where he's at. Um, I, I just, I can't say enough good things about it. I always temper a pilot because it's a pilot. Um, I gave it an 8.5. I very well could have given it a nine. Uh, I haven't seen enough of the show to give it a 10 because it's, I don't know where, it, where it's supposed to be or where it's supposed to go from a single episode, but I thought very highly of it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a departure from, it's definitely a departure from the, um, the comics in that while he is a principal at a school, they, they didn't go to this level um, that far when he became a principal. That This sort of level was handled before he reached that level of responsibility. So um, they're mashing a few different things together, and I thought they did a great job of it. I was really impressed. Yeah, I really liked the, the shift in perspective, um, the more mature shift, I guess you could say. It, it reminded me a little bit of what they brought up in Luke Cage over on the Marvel Netflix side, but I, I did like the way that this was generational. I like that it, as you said, came from a very different perspective than what we're used to. And yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to a lot more. Uh, it, it is the kind of show that I think can explore ground that right now at least, even um, even Arrow is having a hard time doing. Uh, you know, Arrow is trying to occasionally bring in the whole idea of parental, uh, you know, responsibility and stuff like that. But it's very different on this show. This is more lived in, and I like that. Already, it feels like it has its own vibe, and that's that's a really good uh, place for it to begin. All right, well, that is it then for this week. Unless there's anything else that you wanted to bring up. Uh, oh, I, I like I like the way they have his costume light up. I think that I, 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 for this oh, particular yeah. character, I think that's a uh, nice effect. And I'm not sure if it's a costume effect or a powers effect. So I'll, I'm curious. <laughs> oh, I like the fact that he's older too. Um, I, I you know we have the sense that he had had a uh, career before as a superhero and was kind of retired, and he's coming back. So we have a uh, sort of an older, more experienced. Um, superhero dealing with things uh, that sort of knows what to do. At least that's, that's my sense of things. And he's a little bit more angered in some ways. It gives me just a hint of uh, dark Knight returns where you have an older Bruce Wayne coming back, kind of a little grittier uh, sort of uh, a little bit more uh, pragmatic versus optimistic about what, what he can do. And I, I feel like that's coming across on the show as well. Yeah, I, I I agree with you. Actually, I was just sitting there uh, thinking about what you're saying, and yeah, there is a certain optimism that we I think is lost in some other aspects of the DCW. 
but hey, uh, next time that we come back, we're going to have a full slate of shows. So uh, yeah, I think that we'll probably be able to talk in, in things a lot more in depth. So uh, definitely look forward to that. Any last thoughts for the week overall, Gary? Oh, no, I just, oh, well, gosh, I had a dream come true with the Legion of Superheroes, and that's that's, uh, pro- that's probably my highlight, and I hope they uh, run for a few episodes. And should they feel the need to spin it off, I will not complain at all. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. They they seem to always be looking at ways to spin off into further adventures of the DCW. Well, Legion does time travel a bit, so maybe. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't mind if they replace Legends with the Legion. Oh, now you're just teasing me. Anyway, but yeah, so that's my big... <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. We will be back in a couple with a few more episodes. So until then. And so ends another epic episode of The Critical Myth. If you want to leave a comment for this show, head over to vognetwork.com. Not only can you find links to the podcast version of each show, but there is a dedicated forum, a ton of written reviews and related articles by the crew throughout the site. For the written reviews, you can even leave your own review. So let us know if you agree or not. You can also leave comments on our Facebook page, Critical Myth, on Twitter at Critical Myth, or Google Plus under The Critical Myth Show. Any and all use of copyrighted material is only intended for discussion, commentary, parody, or educational purposes, in accordance with U.S. Code Title 17, also known as Fair Use. In other words, please don't sue us. And of course, the statements and opinions of the Critical Myth crew are not necessarily those of the VOG network, its partners, or affiliates. But let's face it, we're probably right anyway. Until next time, watch, watch, read, read, and listen, and listen, and believe, and believe in the, crit- in the Critical Myth.